Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. How are we? Well, someone's not doing good. That's okay. We've all been there. We've all been there, right? Still there, Joey? I get that. I get that. <laughs> That's okay. Would you like me to carry you out? <laughs> That's uh, uh, Welcome to Renaissance. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and I feel like I want to say something before I say some things with your permission. Um, I'm a Jesus guy. Uh, it's okay. Does it like what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm reformulating what that means for me. Um, Chris was mentioning Easter. Easter's a, a big holiday for me, not just because it's a big holiday in the church, right? It's a big thing, but um, I became a Christian on an Easter Sunday. So when Easter comes around, like I get all gooey with emotion. It's like a weird thing for me. Um, and as we're marching towards Easter this year, I'm reminded of the work that God can do in the lives of people. Hear me when I say this, that aren't even looking for God in their life. That there are some, some people that you know, that, we, that I know. Um, I have one friend. I promise you this is true. I put my hand on the Bible. It's true. Um, his name is Bob. Oh, I made that up. His name is Bob. It's really his name, Bob. Um, I invite him to Easter every year, and he doesn't come. He doesn't come. I'm going to invite him again this year. I'm believing, someone believe with me and say amen, that he's going to come to Easter this year. And I'm praying that he would have a transformation on Easter like I did. So I'm a Jesus guy. At some point, my life changed. At some point, God introduced me to Jesus. And hear me when I say this. I had heard about Jesus many times before, but I never believed in Jesus. Something inside of me was settled on that day. I went to college, went to a state school. My parents think I got brainwashed when I went to the state school. They're probably right. Um, but but um, I heard all kinds of things about who Jesus was from my professors, right? Non-Christian professors at a state-sponsored school. I'm not a communist. I went to Illinois State, you know what I'm saying? But, but, it's, you know, but it's like a thing. And like, so I heard all kinds of things about who Jesus was. And, and then on that Easter, through a series of events, God showed me who Jesus really was. And it changed my life. It changed my life. This was in 1996, some 25 years ago. I'm that old, and it, it changed my life. So because of that, I'm a Jesus guy. Um, I lead a church called Renaissance. We're a Jesus church. If you're visiting with us, you probably noticed in all the songs, they talk an awful lot about Jesus, don't they? Yes, the answer is yes. In fact, I was talking with uh, TJ, who's our worship director this week, he said this. It's kind of funny, so feel free to laugh um, or not. I don't care, but uh, I'm giving you permission because it's kind of what I'm going to say is weird. Um, he says, Jesus dies an awful lot this week. <laughs> like in every song we're talking about Jesus dying, I'm like, it sucks to be Jesus this week, I guess. Right? But that's the point. Uh, too far? <laughs> it's okay. You're wondering. I've, I'm visiting. Is this normal? Kind of. Um, <laughs> 
kind of. Um, Jesus transformed my life. And not the Jesus that my professors taught me about, not the Jesus that I kind of grew up thinking about. Uh, When I was introduced to the true Jesus as uh, recorded to us in scriptures, as the the true Jesus that that pastor taught me about on that Easter Sunday, um, it changed my life. So um, I have a lot of work to do today. I want to introduce you to Jesus to the real Jesus, not to the one that you've maybe formulated in your mind, that he's some good moral teacher, that he could help you sort of overcome some things in your life if you just sort of, you know, buddy up with him, like let him be the driver in your car of metaphor for life, right? That whole thing. That's garbage. Jesus needs to take over our lives. And that's what I mean when I say I'm a Jesus person. I'm a Jesus guy. I want him to have an input into everything that I say into every thought that I have, into every channel that I turn to on the television, to every video I watch on YouTube or TikTok, boo, or every other thing. I want Jesus to have a say in my life. Not at me if you think that you might be a Jesus person too. Right, right. And that's okay. And you can like shake your head at me. You're like, whatever. It's all good. So I ain't mad at you if you're not a Christian. I ain't mad if you're not a Jesus person. It don't matter. We're glad you're here. In fact, this church exists so that non-Christians could come. We built this church for non-Christians. We left the doors open long enough and a bunch of Christians snuck in is what happened. (laughs) Yeah, you're not our target, just for the record. (laughs) You're not it. We want other people. We like you, most of you. We like you, but we want people who don't know Jesus. Easter Sunday... There's just this special thing that God does. I don't understand it, but you can get people to come to church that you could never, that you never think would come. So invite them. Invite them. I promise you, we won't spook them. We're not going to do some Jesus juke and like turn, like fake them one way and then go, ha, it's about Jesus. We're going to be all about Jesus from the beginning. But hear me, they need to hear the truth. Yes? Yes. Okay. Um, all right. Let's get started. Uh, we're going to continue our, our Bible study in the book of Galatians. So if you have a Bible with you, Galatians chapter two is where we're going to spend some, spend some time. Verses one through 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, um, underneath the seat close to you, there's a hardback black Bible and you can grab that Bible and flip through it. And in that Bible, you can turn to page 972. And if you don't own a Bible, we're giving that Bible to you today. So when you leave, take it home with you. Write your name in the front in crayon or whatever. I don't care, but it's yours. And we'll buy more of them and stick them in the seats. Um, I want to catch you guys up to where we have been for the last few weeks as we've been working through uh, this Galatians letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to some Christians in an area called Galatia. It's modern-day Turkey, and there's a a series of churches, little house churches, if you will, of a dozen or so people um, scattered throughout this southern part of Turkey. And um, Paul's writing this letter to them to explain to them the true nature of the gospel. Uh, Gospel is a churchy word. We say it in churches a lot, but it just means this. It means good news. Would you do this? Do do me this one favor. Would you say good news? Good news. That's what the gospel is. It's it's good news for us. Um, But it's only good news. And this is where I'm driving today. It's only good news. Hear me because it's true. 
it, it cannot be good news if it is not true without condition. For example, we've all been shopping online, right? And you find the thing that you've been looking to buy, you're waiting for the right price or whatever, and you see a website that has it that's not Amazon. Uh, anyways, so, all right, anyways. So, but, and, they, and they say free shipping. Hey, yay, free shipping. And so you throw the thing in your cart, you go to checkout, and then, and then you, you learn that the free shipping is only for orders over $200 or something. So that's not good news, right? Because your thing's only $100 or whatever. That's, it, that, that true news or that good news of free shipping had a condition attached to it. Um, the true good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus has no conditions. You feeling me? That's what I'm saying. And it's, it's good news because it's so true for us. So, so Paul is writing a letter to the, the churches that he established in Galatia. Um, as he preached the gospel, as he preached to people, and people were becoming Christians, um, and these churches were established, after Paul leaves this area and he goes into other lands, into other cultures, and he's preaching gospel to them, he catches word, he hears that some false teachers have come into Galatia and are teaching a false gospel, a gospel with conditions, so to speak. And that, my friends, is not good news. That's not the true gospel. And so Paul's writing this letter to remind those people of the gospel that he presented to them. Now, what do I mean by the gospel he presented to them? Well, we've been singing about it a little bit this morning. It sounds something like this, that salvation for us comes from God, right? It's salvation comes to us by grace through faith. By grace through faith. So if we're going to have a right relationship with God, salvation... If he's going to remediate our sins, the condition of our sinful lives, if he's going to uh, fill us with his Holy Spirit, empower us to live, to give us the wisdom that God wants for us to live our lives, he's going to empower us with gifts to live in this world that's opposed to our Christian values in, in our life. If we're going to do that, if he's going to save us into something, he's going to do so by his grace, which means it's free. Say free. Yay. Free. Or pay for it. I don't care. It's, it, no, it's free by faith. It's not by anything else. And this is the distinction that Paul wants to make to the false teachers who are coming in to say, no, it is grace and faith. It is Jesus Christ and all that stuff. But it's also works. It's also uh, obedience to certain rules and regulations that, the God, that God's people used to follow in the Old Testament. Paul's writing this letter to remind them that that's not true. That you became a Christian when I, when I taught you about salvation by grace through faith. You became a Christian not because of something you earned or you worked towards. You became a Christian because God loves you, sent his son Jesus to die upon a cross for you, to atone for your sins. He was buried in the grave. God raised him from the, on the third day, and he lives now. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, hallelujah, and he's alive today. We believe in that story, and through that story, by faith alone, we are saved. Say amen. amen. Yeah. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, Joe. <laughs> That's not too bad. Yes, that's the story we believe. So Paul is writing this letter to them. Now, these false teachers that have come into Galatia, they're not only teaching a false gospel, but they're slandering Paul. They're saying things about him, that he's not a true apostle, that he, um, that he didn't learn his message from God. It's a man-made gospel, and there's this tension that's happening. So the beginning part of this letter to Galatia is just an autobiographical account, a biographical account of Paul's life, trying to prove to them that he did get his message from God, that he did see the resurrected Jesus Christ, and that his gospel is in fact true. So it's sort of a defense, and in today's passage, 
he sort of finishes his last little defense about those uh, detractors who would say that he is not a true apostle or whatever. So anyways, he, he doesn't want to... Um, uh, he doesn't want his church there in Galatia to think that he somehow minimized the gospel to appease to them, to make it more palatable to them, because that's not true. The gospel that is preached by Paul and has been preached since Paul, that was preached to me, that's probably preached to you, is the same gospel always and forever, right? We don't minimize it, we don't change it, because that other gospels cannot change our lives. So anyways, uh, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to read some Bible now. Say amen. Yes, you're welcome. All right, so starting here in, in verse 1 of chapter 2. Um, I want to read five verses, then we'll chat for a little bit, and then I'll read five more verses. Um, the words will be behind me on the screen. You can follow along there. And Paul says this, Then, after 14 years, I, Paul, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus along with me. And I went up because of a revelation, and I said before them, though privately, before those who seemed influential, that reads kind of weird, read it like this, skip the parentheses. So let's read this again. So I went up because of a, revolution, a revelation, and I set before them the gospel that I, proclaimed, that I proclaim among the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And I did this in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, this friend that he brought along, who was with me, he was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. This will make sense in a little bit if you're visiting. This sounds weird. Uh, verse 4, Yet because of false brothers, these false teachers, secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out, spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they could bring us into slavery. Verse 5, To them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment. And this is the thrust of what Paul is saying. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. That Paul is adamant that they understand the true nature of the gospel, as we've already said, because a false gospel can't help you. That a false gospel can't free you. A false gospel will actually lead you into slavery, which is his point that he'll make in the ensuing weeks. So um, here's something that I was sharing with a friend of mine even downstairs. Um, I ran across a quote from C.S. Lewis this week that says this about truth. That it says, a man can't be always defending the truth. That there must be a time to also feed upon it. And sometimes in the church, we feel like we're always constantly defending the gospel, defending the truth of the gospel, right? We call that apologetics, and I'm all about apologetics. I appreciate ap apologetics. I love all that. But sometimes we need to stop defending it, let it be what it is, and just feed upon the truth. That's my hope for us today, that the true nature of the gospel will actually feed us today spiritually. You'll walk out of here not knowing why you feel different. It's because your, your spirit today was, was nourished by the truth that was proclaimed today. There'll be something unique that'll happen to you that you can't explain. You don't need to explain it. Stop trying to explain it. I don't know why I feel better when I go to church, right? But I do. I don't, I don't know why I feel better when I worship songs in my car when I'm driving down the road, but I do. I don't know why when I shop at Walmart, I don't shop at Walmart, just so you know. But when I go, I put in headphones that play Jesus music in my ears because if I don't, um, someone's finna die. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's a moment in the New Testament where some of Paul's or Jesus' disciples um, are upset with other people and they ask God to let them bring fire down from heaven to destroy them. I have prayed that in, in Walmart. And by God's grace, he hasn't given me that um, 
I say this, I've said this before, so forgive me, but you would see mushroom clouds all through town. <laughs> and you would say, oh, I bet Jeff's over there today. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the truth, it does something to us. It nourishes us, and we need to feed on it today. So Paul, after 14 years, after 14 years, verse 20, he's saying this, I became a Christian some 14 years ago, um, and I, I made my way up to Jerusalem. Again, he's defending what's happening to what the false teachers are saying. And since Paul's conversion, he's gone to many parts of the world, um, and he's proclaimed the truth of Jesus, and people have become Christians. And the people that he's going to talk to are not Jewish people. They're called Gentiles. That's what this word means here in the Bible here. Um, and the things that we know about the, the Gentiles is they were typically avoided by all Jewish people. They were considered to be sinners. Gentiles worshiped false gods or pagan gods, and because of that, they're sinners. And Jewish people, who are God's people, they avoided those sinner people because if they got in close contact with them, they would be um, spoiled themselves. If they, if they came into close contact with them, they too could be unclean. They could become sinners, so to speak. So they just kept those sinners far away from them. Can I say this to you? Aren't you glad that God doesn't stay away from sinners? Aren't you, aren't you so thankful that Jesus didn't stay away from sinners? Yes. If you read the biographies of Jesus, the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus was criticized heavily for spending time with sinners because those are the people that God wants to rescue. When we talk about salvation, that's what he's talking about, saving people from their sin. And so 14 years go by, Paul is telling them at some point he made his way up to Jerusalem and he took with him some friends, Barnabas and Titus. Barnabas was a Jewish Christian and he's a ministry partner with Paul and he was known for his good disposition and his encouragement. In fact, his nickname was Son of Encouragement. I would say this, I think we need more encouraging people in the church today, right? We need more people encouraging the things that we're doing and striving to do, trying to do our best. We need, we need more Barnabas's that sounds weird to say. Barnaby? We need more Barnabases. <laughs> that was fun. We, did, we need more of those people in our lives to help us along the way, yes? My heart's desire is that Renaissance would be known for its encouragement to you. Um, I love you, right? But we are a mess some weeks, aren't we? Right? And, and I do not want anyone coming in here feeling beat up, right? I'm telling you, if there's a person... Um, that got beat up for us, it's Jesus Christ. He got beat up on the cross, right? So I'm not gonna beat you up for the things that you maybe did or didn't do or whatever. You are free from that shame or condemnation when you come to Renaissance. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah, so Barnabas was that dude with Paul and he comes with him and they go up to Jerusalem together and they bring this guy, Titus, he's a Greek, he's also a Christian, probably one of Paul's early converts. Titus became a leader in the church. We read his name elsewhere in the New Testament. He's kind of a big deal. And he's non-Jewish, which is really cool. And so he, he goes up to Jerusalem with him. And he goes up because of a revelation. Just know this, verse 1, he says he goes to Jerusalem because of a revelation. What Paul's trying to say, it wasn't his idea to go. He went because God led him to go. God led him. Now, how did he lead him? I want to point to a verse in Acts chapter 11 here, so follow with me. Acts 11, verse 27 to 30. This is probably the event that uh, pre, um, came before Paul and Barnabas' trip to Jerusalem. Let me read this. It says, now in these days, this is Luke, the historian, the, you know, he's writing these parts. Uh, he says, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Antioch is the place where Paul and Barnabas were. And one of those guys came, his name was Agabus. He stood up and he, for, he, was, he foretold by the Spirit of God that there was going to be a great famine over all the world. 
And this took place in the days of Claudius. Because you can look it up. It's when it happened when Claudius was governor or whatever. So anyways, so the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers, to the family, to the Christians living down in Judea, down in Jerusalem, because of the famine, they're suffering. And so they took up an offering, verse 30, and so they did so. And they sent it to the elder, elders down in Jerusalem by the hand of who? Barnabas and Saul. So it's quite possible, it's quite possible that this is the event that precluded them going to Jerusalem. And all Paul is saying is, it's not my idea. I went because God was telling us to go. I went because the prophet said there's going to be a great famine and these people are going to need help. And, and Barnabas and Paul were people who wanted to bring help to those who needed it. And so he goes to Jerusalem. And while he's in Jerusalem, he also talks to some of the leaders. And this is what we're driving at here. He, wants to, he talks to Peter and James and John. And he's doing so, verse two, uh, two here, what is it? Yeah, verse two, he wants to make sure that he was not running or had not run in vain. This is an interesting verse here. Hear me when I say this. Paul is not concerned that what he's teaching is incorrect. He, he's not concerned that he's been teaching this gospel in, in these, Jew, these non-Gentile areas, to, uh, non-Jewish areas to the Gentiles. He doesn't think he's wrong in it. He, he knows he's right in it. He's had 14 years of seeing God transform lives, change people's lives, fill them with the Holy Spirit, empower them to live differently. He's seen 14 years of this. What he's concerned about is that the people down in Jerusalem are teaching another gospel. And he's wondering about that because the false teachers that had made their way up to Galatia came from Jerusalem. And he's wondering, am I doing this all in vain because you guys are like competing against me as we're, in regards to the truth of the gospel? Peter, James, John, are you teaching the same gospel that I'm teaching? This is the rub that he's trying to figure out. And so he goes down there and he speaks to them. And while he's doing that, he brings Titus, which happens to be exhibit A for his defense right? That God is doing something in the Gentile believer. That God is doing something in the lives of people who aren't Jewish. And, 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 um, and Titus is uncircumcised. Look yourself if you'd like. <laughs> Titus is like, really? <laughs> is that why I'm here? <laughs> Anyways. Um, thank you. Um, so, he, he's, he's bringing Titus as an example of what it looks like when God transforms someone's life. And Titus is an astounding, extraordinary person whose life has been transformed by Jesus. And, and he doesn't, he didn't have to follow the Old Testament rules of getting circumcised. And he didn't have to follow the Old Testament rules of eating kosher and all of those things that these false teachers are saying you have to do. That you have to be saved by faith in Jesus, but also get circumcised and also follow certain food laws and also do certain things at the temple and do some sacrifice, all this weird stuff, right? He's saying that, that the true nature of the gospel is just salvation by grace through faith. If you don't believe me, look at this guy. Look at him. His life is so changed and transformed and he didn't follow any of those rules. That's the true nature of the gospel. We don't have to perform for God to be saved. Say amen. We don't. We don't. We are saved in Christ Jesus by his work alone. End of story. Period. Your life, Titus's life, my life, is maybe an example for people. It's maybe the, the story that they need to see. Anyways, we did not yield to these people who wanted Titus to be circumcised. Back in Antioch, they were constantly saying, he can't be a believer unless he follows the rules. He's got to be circumcised. And Paul says this, uh-uh, 
I won't yield on this for one minute. I will not submit. And hear me when I say this. You don't need to submit to anything that's not true in your life too. Joe reminded me, Pastor Joe. Yeah, everybody know Pastor Joe? Me neither. Joe, come on. <laughs> no one really knows Joe. Let's be honest. Hmm. Um, Joe reminded me this week. He said, uh, Jeff, we don't need to apologize for our convictions. You said that to me. You remember that? And he's so right. Like what we know to be true, what we believe to be true from Scripture, and we are convicted in it, we don't have to apologize to people for that. So I don't know why we walk around with our head down going, well, this is what we believe. and all. It doesn't matter. Just don't yield to that. All I'm saying, it's encouraging for us in that regard. I only have um, 40 minutes left, so i got to hurry. So anyways, <laughs> I want to read verses 6, six through 10 now. Um, and I'm really going fast. I apologize. So when he's down in Jerusalem, he says some things. Verse 6, And from those who seem to be influential, influential what they were makes no difference to me because God shows no partiality. If you write, underline anything in your Bible, underline that word. No partiality. God shows no partiality. I love that. He goes, To those I say who seemed influ influential, he, they added nothing to me. On the contrary, verse 7, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted with the same gospel to the circumcised or to the Jewish people. For though he worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, to the Jewish, he worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. This is great. Verse 9, And when James and Cephas, that's another name for Peter, when James and Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, when they perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave um, the right hand of fellowship to both Barnabas and me. And they said that we should go to the Gentiles and that they would go to the circumcised, that they would go to the, the Jewish people. They only asked, verse 10, that we remember the poor, the very thing that they were eager to do, which remind me, that's why they're there in the first place, right? Because they're bringing this offering to the poor, the needy down there. What's uh, interesting is how he starts in verse 6 where he says, um, he went to some people who seemed to be influential, but he says what they were makes no difference to me. In, in the original language, and I don't read Greek, I got this from a commentary, I'm not that smart, right? But, but it says this, that the verb used here is in the past tense. What they were at one time is what Paul is saying. What they, the people they used to be doesn't matter anymore. And, and this is what Paul's driving at. It's because who he used to, meet, to be doesn't matter anymore either. Paul used to say, um, used to brag about his pedigree of who he used to be. That, uh, in fact, let me read something he wrote to the church in, to the church in uh, Philippi, Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul talking about himself, that he, in fact, was, verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. He's a Jew. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. He's of one particular tribe in Israel. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And as to the law or the rules, he was a Pharisee. It just means this, that the Pharisees were people who not only followed the laws and the rules, but they put rules around the rules to make sure they didn't break the rules, and they followed those rules. You know what I'm saying? Like he did, they did all the rule stuff. He's the guy. As to zeal, verse 6, I was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians, hated them persecuted them, oversaw the imprisonment and murder of many of them. And Jesus interrupted his life and changed him. 
I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law or the rules, I was, what do you say, blameless. I was perfect. And God saved him in the midst of all that religious zeal and persecution, and God saved him. And he says, and that matters nothing now. And the same goes for Peter and James and John, these uneducated, unlearned, unlearned laborers and fishermen that God saved them to. What they were at one time no longer matters. What I was at one time no longer matters. What happens was God saw them and loved them and revealed Jesus to them. And that's what happens in our lives. Good things and bad things and bad things and good things. And we can stack up all the work that we do and we can wonder if, in fact, God is going to come and, and save us. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter the good or the bad. Some of the people you're thinking about inviting to church, the pushback that you'll get if you invite them to church for Easter is that the, if they walk in the doors of the church, lightning will hit the church, right? Have you heard this story, right? I can't go to church. Lightning will come down and destroy that place. And, um, and that'd be great because then we could all sleep in on Sunday. Wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> No, some people feel like they just, they're not good enough to go to church. And, and that's why you go, I agree, <laughs> 100%. You're not, that's why you should come. Because there's a whole bunch of people that come that aren't good enough to come to church. There's a whole bunch of people that come. And G uh, anyway, so there's an applause in my head when I said that. Um, no, 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 don't, uh -uh. I, I won't come back if you do that. So... Um, he says, what they were makes no difference to me. And why does he say that? Because it makes no difference to God. That's what I'm trying to say. It makes no difference to God, who you were. <laughs> Isn't that good news? Oh, my gosh. Uh, eh, okay. Um, God shows no partiality. That's what he's saying. He looked at Paul's life and saved him. He looked at Peter's life and saved him. He looked at all that. And he says that I had been entrusted with the gospel. He's been entrusted with the gospel just as Peter had been entrusted to the gospel. What we're learning is that they're not, in fact, two different gospels being taught. Paul's not teaching one. Peter's not teaching another. They're not competing with one another, not, not conflicting. What we're learning is that it's the same gospel that's being presented in both places. Um, they're just being presented to different people groups. I love this part because um, for us, this is how we partner with other churches in the city who do other ministries in the city. We don't compete. Hear me when I say this. We do not compete in the, in the church for other people in the church. You know what I'm saying? Um, some churches compete, right? That's okay. They'll, Jesus will deal with them at some point. But we don't compete, right? Just because someone else has a great ministry over here in, in food pantry or, or uh, missions for the... Uh, overseas or a great homeless ministry or whatever we don't that's run with it we'll fund those things we'll send you money right we're doing what God is calling us to do you do what God's calling you to do and let's all gather together at the feast one day shall we that's what we're doing so we don't give a rip about this stuff if they're if they're serving Jesus and they're doing so with with the, the right heart and the right motivation then we're 100% for it um, and I only say that because sometimes people say things like this um, like when it comes to inviting people for church. I did not plan this, so this is going to go terribly uh, terrible. I can feel it. Um, um, when I say invite people to church, I love you. Don't invite your church friends. 
I mean, I mean, I mean like your non-church friends. That's right. The people like you work with, you're like, whose, whose life could really use some Jesus in it. That's the people I'm talking about. I'm not saying go to your church friends who go to the church down the street because you like this church better. And you're like, you'll love it, man, over here. If you just come over here. We don't care about that. I don't care about that. There's enough people to go around. I'm saying invite your friends who don't know who Jesus is, whose life could be radically transformed if they would hear the truth, that the Holy Spirit might invade their life and change them, and everything changes for them. Everything changes for them. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what Peter and Paul is learning here. That it's the same gospel, just to different people groups. I want to close, this is my end, um, with a couple questions for you. I've said um, today that the true nature of the gospel must be understood, it must be fed upon, and when it, we understand it fully, it begins to bring um, what I would call unity in the church. Now, this has been a, a, a pet project of, of mine as of late to, to learn about unity in the church. Now, would you nod and agree with me? And if you don't want to, that's fine. But there, there seems to be a lot of disunity in the church. Would you agree? Yeah, a lot of people murmuring, complaining. We've got conservatives and progressives and red people and blue people and all this. Stuff. Right? We're all together, but there doesn't seem to be any unity here. And I think that breaks the heart of God. I think it does. And I think the Lord would like more unity in the church. Not, a, not in your head if you agree with me, okay? And that's fine, that's fine. Um, when, we have the, when we understand fully um, and ingest fully and, and really get, uh, hold, grab a hold of the true nature of the gospel, the unity of the church becomes an, an outflow of that understanding. Um, which leads me to the, these questions. When you understand the true nature of the gospel, you have to be able to answer these questions. So I want you to close your eyes. Okay? When I'm praying, you don't have to bow your head or nothing. Just close your eyes so you don't have to look around. Um, when you sin, I'm asking you a question now. When you sin, what floods your mind about God? When you do something that you know wasn't right, what, what's the immediate thought that you have about who God is? Do you feel like you must clean yourself up before you can run back to God? Do you feel like you have to do a bunch of stuff before you can be accepted back by God? Or do you feel conviction and run to God and cling to Christ's righteousness in your life? Which one do you do? Listen, I'm not asking you which one you know is right to do. B, the answer is B. <laughs> I'm asking which one you do. What's your first thought? Is it just, is it holy conviction? Is it like run to God and go, God, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who's delivered me from all this. And, and I know that, uh, you know what I mean? Like, are you just going back on Christ's righteousness? Or are you thinking now I've got to go fix a bunch of stuff before God would accept me? See, the true gospel will tell us that we don't have to fix anything because Jesus already fixed it. Okay, here's the second question. When other people sin, what are the thoughts that you have about them? Do you think they can have freedom and forgiveness in Christ Jesus? Or do you hold them to some performance standard before you accept them? Do you 
break fellowship, church word, with them because they just don't act right. That you really can't be with them because they're not doing things right, because they're sinning. Do you see, do you see how if we understand the true nature of the gospel, that it's not work-related, or works earned or merit earned and it's all the work in Jesus Christ so when we sin we can be accepted back into God and when other people sin they are accepted back into God and the rub is then whether or not we'll accept them back and the true nature of the gospel is, is preached and when it's understood then unity comes back into church if you find a church that has disunity I promise you you're going to have a, a, a thin understanding of the gospel you have a thin understanding of the work of Jesus Christ. So while your heads or your eyes are closed, now let's, let's just pray. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we ask that you would help us today. That we could be a people free, liberated. That we would be people like Titus, whose life was so transformed by Jesus Christ, that Paul brought him before pillars in the church, leaders in the church, people who walked and talked with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, people who knew Jesus. And they brought Titus before him and says, you, you look at him and you tell me Jesus, has, Jesus hasn't transformed his life like he's transformed ours. You tell me I'm wrong. You tell me he has to earn this because he didn't. God, would you help us to be a people whose lives are fully, um, have fully received the gospel of Jesus, that we are liberated uh, from trying harder, from doing more. And we just receive salvation through Christ. And that freedom that we have been given, we now use to, to live holy, to live righteous, to gospel others, to evangelize, to share the truth and love of Jesus Christ to the world around us. We use that new freedom, Lord, to worship you, to laud you, to hail you, as Pastor Josh said earlier, that we hail you, Lord. We, we exalt you. We lift you high. God, we also, um, we also know that there are many people, some even in this room, who, who haven't made that transition yet, who haven't fully understood the gospel. So I pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would just open their hearts to receive it. And that they would just come to that realization that they are a sinful person and that they need to be saved. They need to be saved. They don't need to work harder. They don't need to try harder. They just need to be saved by grace through faith. That Jesus Christ's death on a cross, it bore the punishment for us that sin was atoned for on that cross. And you raised Jesus from the dead, God, and, and we believe that. And we know that you can raise us from our sinful state, from our dead mortal bodies and make us new creatures. You can make us brand new again, regardless of what we've done, you can change us. And we thank you for that. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. 
We can't wait to hear from you. 